suffer from chronic CFED or can't focus energy drain? Try over-the-counter Vibrin. One tablet contains the same caffeine as a cup of coffee, but without the calories or coffee breath. Vibrin. Caffeine, not coffee. Taking Vibrin may result in increased productivity and decreased dread in setting alarms. Unexpected enjoyment of the graveyard shift has been associated with Vibrin. Vibrin may be a better budget option than drinking coffee. It may also decrease the urge to doze off, skip work, or exhibit signs of slacking. All jokes aside, always read the label, take only as directed, and limit caffeine as it may cause real side effects. Not for children under age 12. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Samantha Fay, and joining me for this exciting hour, I have my lovely dear friend, Denise Correll. Thank you so much for being here, Denise. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you can help me with this really important topic. Um, tonight, we're going to be discussing how to be an empowered empath. So Denise and I have a lot of notes and ideas and things that we want to share with you about moving from feeling like, you know, an, a scared empath or, oh my gosh, I feel too much to being an empowered empath. Uh, but first, as you know, we always do a crystal of the week. And, you know, I was researching crystals for empaths. And when I think about crystals for empaths, I think about um, comforting stones like rhodochrosite or pink smithsonite or pink opal. And I think about stones that absorb negativity like smoky quartz. And I think about stones that block negativity like hematite or black tourmaline. And when I was researching it, I found that, yes, those stones are good for um, empaths. But one stone that kept coming up was malachite which I found kind of surprising because it's one stone I have not associated with being an empath. So I thought I would discuss that. I'm going to read a little bit from Cassandra Eason's Healing Crystals book and a little bit from Judy Hall's The Crystal Bible because they both have some important things to know about Malachite. Uh, Cassandra Eason says that Malachite is associated with strong, the strong love goddess, um, several of them, who could be benign or vengeful, such as Our Lady of the Mountains in Central Russia. She is a form of Venus who might protect minors if appeased. She's, uh, Malachite is also associated with Freya, the Viking goddess of love and beauty, um, who could also be kind of cruel when she would uh, treat cast-off lovers. So that kind of gives you an idea of Malachite. It's definitely a double-edged sword, which is interesting because I think of empathy and being an empath as being a double-edged sword. Um, malachite is really good for cleansing and protecting workspaces against pollution and toxicity, especially of noise and overbright fluorescent lighting or harmful rays emitted by electrical equipment. You can keep it near a computer or a phone to filter out negative communication. At home, malachite is good near um, white goods in the kitchen like sugars, and it's good by televisions and computers. Um, Cassandra Eason recommends that you should use at least two malachites per room if a child has a television or a computer. You can put it beneath a pet bed if your animal lives in a town or near a radio mast or a power station. It's a powerful crystal for protective 
energy, especially if traveling by air or on congested, congested motorways. It also helps to amplify wishes. It's useful for prosperity magic, especially concerning business matters, and as an amulet for all salespeople, especially at conferences and trade shows. Um, she says it's best to cleanse this by washing it under running water, even though this might weak. She said, when it crumbles, bury your malachite as it has done its work for you. Um, Judy Hall says that malachite is a powerful stone, but one that needs to be handled with caution. She recommends that it's best to use under the supervision of a crystal therapist because it's toxic and should only be used in its polished form. Avoid breathing its dust. If you use it as a gem elixir, apply externally. Um, she says that Malachi amplifies both positive and negative energies. It grounds spiritual energies onto the planet. It's believed by some people that Malachi is still evolving and will be one of the most important healing stones of the new millennium. It's already an important protection stone because it absorbs negative energies and pollutants easily, picking them up from the atmosphere and from the body. It should be cleansed before and after use by placing it on a quartz cluster in the sun. She says do not use salt to cleanse it because it will damage the surface. Um, she says it clears and activates the chakras and attunes to spiritual guidance. Placed on the third eye, it activates visual, visualization and psychic vision. On the heart, it brings balance and harmony, and it helps to open the heart to unconditional love. Um, psychologically, Malachi is a stone of transformation. Life is lived more intensely under the influence of this adventurous stone, which encourages risk-taking and change. It mercilessly shows us what is blocking our spiritual growth. Malachite draws out deep feelings and psychosomatic causes. It breaks unwanted ties and outworn patterns, and it teaches us how to take responsibility for our actions, thoughts, and feelings. It releases inhibitions and encourages expressing feelings. The stone develops empathy with other people, showing how it would be to be in their place. It alleviates shyness and supports friendships. So, um, it goes, she kind of goes on and on because there's so much to learn about this stone, but I don't want to take up too much time talking about one crystal. So research it on your own because malachite is a very powerful stone. Do you work with it, Denise? I just think this is amazing because I have always, always been drawn to malachite. And years and years ago, I always wore a malachite necklace. I wore a malachite ring, and then I stopped wearing it for years. And last, my birthday was in December, and I down to the store here in town, I thought, I really want a piece of malachite. And as soon as I picked it up, I just felt that. So, it, again, it goes back to that your intuition will guide you to the crystal that you need. And I have it right by my computer. And every once in a while, I just pick it up. And it, it's a very, um, for me, it's a very centering stone. And all the things that you're saying, I'm thinking, wow, it really does do those things, even though I, I had no idea that that was what it was used for. It's an incredibly I know. strong stone, though. It really is. It's kind of like, do you ever have those friends who are, you know, they're just kind of strong in your face, but they mean well and they're very loyal, but, but they're loud? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how I think of Malachite, you know? <laughs> That's an excellent analogy. <laughs> of course, now oh, when I God. see these friends, I'm going to think Malachite, but that, I, I guess it's a good thing. <laughs> Okay, so you and I have wanted to do this show together for a while because we both feel that we are, you know, strong empaths, um, and yet that word empath kind of gets a bad rap. Would you Would you agree with that? 
I, I agree, and I think a, a lot of people are, um, it, it's becoming a very commonplace word without, oh, I'm going to have to, me too. So I, I think knowing more what's involved with it is in, incredibly important. Yes, I agree. And that's what we hope to do in this show. So I wanted to just kind of start, I wrote down a list of a, a, a couple of dozen things. You know, you may be an empath if type type thing. Um, and I thought I could just kind of read through that list quickly and you and I could talk about, you know, interrupt me if you need to, to add things to it. But I okay. want people listening who are new to the idea of being an empath to listen to this and go, oh, wait, I think that might be me. Or, gosh, that sounds a lot like my mom or that sounds a lot like my boss. I think it's important to recognize if you are the empath in your life or who is the empath in your life. So the word empath comes from two Greek words, um, empathia, which means passion, and pathiri, which means to experience or to suffer. So I think that captures oh, that, empathy. That's very interesting. Yeah. So empaths are problem solvers. They like to solve people's problems. They are deep thinkers. Uh, they are often daydreamers. They often <clears throat> get distracted easily. They have difficulty with the mundane and small talk. Um, they very often need to detach from the everyday. So if you have like a busy day, an empath might need to just unplug. Um, I, you know, Denise, I do that a lot. Like sometimes if if you're like my friend that I talk to every day, sometimes I can be a difficult friend because there are days when like I just, and I don't mean days at a time. I mean like I'll take like one day a month where I just don't answer my phone or my text. Do you ever do that? Very much so. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's it's silent. It's just needing that time to decompress, to be quiet, to not process anybody else's energy. I think it's vital. It is vital. Yeah, it is. Um, the empaths frequently will experience deja vu coincidences and synchronicities. They are most likely to have psychic and spiritual experiences, especially out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences. I thought that was interesting. I didn't, I didn't correlate empaths with NDEs, Mm-mm. but it makes sense. They have a sense of knowing, and they don't know why or how they know. They just know. That's because empaths have a really strong uh, solar plexus chakra. It's very, very highly developed, and that's where that sense of knowing kind of exists in our body. Empaths are overwhelmed in crowds. They dislike malls, stadiums, concerts, large grocery stores, um, any places where they feel just kind of trapped by a lot of people or overwhelmed with lots and lots of people. Empaths take on other people's emotions, often unwittingly. Um, that's why, you know, our beloved John Holland, Denise, <laughs> he always says, he always says, don't ask what's wrong with you, ask who's wrong with you. Have you heard mm-hmm. him say that? Yeah. It's, and it's true. It is true, yeah, because sometimes you'll be around someone who's, like, really, really negative. You might go out to lunch with a friend, and you listen to all his problems, and then you walk away from lunch, and you get home, and you're cranky, and you don't even know why. You had a great day. You met a friend for lunch. And sometimes, and, and I think that's really hard. I think that's a really important piece because as as being highly sensitive people or empaths, we, and we have dear friends, and we don't want to see that side of things. We want it just always to be nice and good and And I had a situation with this person that 
I faced the world of it, but every time I left, I felt drained. I felt sad. I felt, and it took me a long time to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, that that can be, um, sometimes it takes us a while to see, see what's actually happening. Yes, that's where that awareness piece, I think, is so important. And just being aware that you're an empath and that you do that. And empaths tend to attract negative people. I'm not calling your friend negative. I just Oh, no, no, no. You know, but people needy. tend to... Needy, that's a better word. Um, empaths need to avoid watching violent TV, graphic news, and sad stories as much as possible. Bingo. A, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, Denise, but since the new year started, I have been like a TV recluse when it comes to like politics, current events, news stories. I just can't really deal with it right now. It, it's, it, well, for me personally, it's, it's way too fear-based. It is mm-hmm. too, uh, the negativity. I, I, I haven't had the TV on for, for years. I've had Netflix, but um, and I, it's not that I'm in my head in the sand and I'm not paying attention to what's going on in the world, but I don't need that constant bombardment of negativity. Um, yeah. It, and it wears me down. Are you, I'm challenged on that a lot, I've noticed. Are you challenged on that? Very much so. People, yeah. people it, it, well, I shouldn't say, sometimes it seems to make people uncomfortable if you say, well, I'm, I'm not watching the news, or they'll make a reference to something and I'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. And and they become almost defensive or a little incensed that um, you're you're not being as involved as you should be. But I, I don't agree with that. I think it's mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And and I think too, like you, look, I have a friend who is very politically minded, and she is doing amazing activist work, and I'm very very proud of her. That's just not who I am. That's not why I'm here. So it's not even an interest for me on a normal day-to-day level. Do you know what I mean? So exactly. Do I know that what happened in Manchester and London? Yes, of course. Like I keep up on right. top of like the big news, but I just don't watch it. I don't read it over and over. I just learn about it and then I just send it white light and then I try to move on because otherwise I'll get um, what is it? Do they call it fear porn? Have you heard that expression? I think no, but I like it. It's something with the word porn in it, and or doomsday yeah. porn. I think that's what it's called. Um, oh, that's and that very it, strong, isn't it? Yeah, it is a very strong phrase, but it's kind of true if you listen to it. it you know, so I try to stay away from that. And I think, I think if you are listening to this and you're an empath, maybe consider doing that as well. Um, and I'm not saying I always do it, but you know, oh no, but from time to time, you need to take breaks. I agree, a hundred percent. Um, empaths, just to recharge your batteries. Yeah, exactly. Um, empaths also have a built-in lie detector. They know when people are lying. And this can be really hard for an empath because they are natural truth seekers. They need to get to the heart of the situation. They need to understand, you know, why someone is doing something. Um, they don't understand lying or liars. And so sometimes empaths need to learn when to let it go. I know that's been a hard one for me. Um but they do know, and they don't know why they know someone's lying, but they know. Um, right. Some can pick up on physical symptoms of others. Luckily, I've never had that. Um, but I, ha- I do have a friend who's a physical empath, and if you're around her and you have a headache, she'll get a headache. Have you experienced that? I, I find the more 
the more I work with people, um, the more physically empathic I've become. Like to the point where I'm starting to pick up some medical things, and obviously mm-hmm. I'm not a medical person. I don't play one on TV. Um, but, but I uh, thank you for getting that like old reference. Um, but I, I even today I walked by someone in the hall, and I and I have a certain feeling I get when I'm doing readings that if someone has um, cancer or something cancer related, and that was the feeling I got when I walked by the person. So it can be just even the proximity of not working directly with someone, but even being in their same energy field. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I, it definitely would be intense to physically pick up on their symptoms. Um, because empaths have such a strong solar plexus chakra, some might have digestive issues or lower back pain. And that's something just to keep in mind. I'm not saying don't get it medically checked out. I'm just saying that's something to think about. Um <laughs> Empaths will always feel for the underdog. They will always root for the underdog. People um, will tell empaths all of their problems, even if you're just standing in line at the grocery store. People feel very comfortable talking to an empath because they are such good listeners and they are so understanding and sensitive and tend to be you know, non, fairly nonjudgmental. Um, empaths often experience energy drains because they tend to be a magnet for narcissists and energy vampires. So think about it. If an empath is like, hey, I'm here for you. I can help you. I can heal you. I can listen to you. I can listen nonjudgmentally. You know, an energy vampire or negative Nelly or a needy person or a narcissist is going to eat that up. That's going to be a really good supply. And later in the show, Denise and I are going to talk about um, how to kind of avoid that and not fall into that trap. Um, Some empaths who aren't working on their own issues can develop addiction issues. Um, Many empaths are drawn to healing modalities uh, because they do want to help heal others. They want to help fix people. Um, They are very creative. They're drawn to nature and animals. They have a strong need for solitude. Um, Well, I want to just go back to what I, I don't mean empaths want to fix people. That's more codependence, which is Denise and I are going to talk about later. I just mean empaths feel this need to help others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a, it's like a the being service to. That's it. Thank you. Um, empaths need to live an authentic life. They need to have an authentic job. And what I mean by that, um, I have a friend and, and her sister works for one of those um, loan companies where they, they, they'll loan you money at like a 35% interest rate. Mm-hmm. And her sister has a really hard time doing this job because it's kind of unethical. Well, I don't want to say it's unethical, but it feels unethical to me. Right. Um, but she still oh. does it, and she's done it for like seven years, whereas an empath really couldn't do that job. No. And, and a lot of times when people go to that type of a business, they're not in a strong place to begin with. They've exhausted yeah. some other resources. So if an empath would just suck that right up like a sponge. Yes, so true. Um, and empaths in general can't really work for a paycheck. I mean, look, we all need a paycheck. But, I mean, their work needs to have meaning in order for them to feel happy. Um, they also need to be in authentic relationships. They need their friendships to have real meaning, not just because, you know, our kids are the same age or you live next door to me or we work together, their relationships need to be authentic. Um, 
most empaths can't handle clutter because they feel energy so much they need their space to be clean and clear of clutter. Empaths hate routine and schedules. Gosh, that is so me. I have had one of those. I have had like maybe 10 days in a row where I haven't had one day free. You know how sometimes you can have like a Saturday and you've got nothing on that calendar? Mm-hmm. I haven't had that in almost two weeks and my head is like spinning because I need days every once in a while where I have nothing to do, no obligations, nowhere to be. That's kind of how I unplug and, and recharge too. Um, and in general, like I used to be a teacher. You still are a teacher. Do you, sometimes I used to feel like I was in prison because, <laughs> because when you're a teacher, like you cannot leave that building. Right. And it is so highly structured, and it's you're on a be- you're, you're programmed by bells and, and schedules, and you, when you eat, when you it, it is it's a very um, it can feel very limiting at times. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird for me because as a teacher, I was free inside of my classroom. Like we could, I could talk about what I wanted. I could you know do different things with the students, group work one day, you know individual project work the other day. But the structure of the day was. Um, was really hard for me and when I switched over to teaching at the college it was like heaven because you were just the only time your structure was when you were teaching but the rest of the time you could go anywhere you wanted um, yeah. so empaths tend to need that that sense of freedom um, some empaths carry extra weight around their middle as a form of protection around that solar plexus area because they need to protect that area because it's so open um, some can sense the energy of food. Now, I I'm not that one either. Can you sense energy no. of food? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like some people, um, from what I when I was doing research for the show, said some people can sense like if the food was cooked with love or anger, or if the animal oh, wow. either eating was killed under distress. Like if I were that empathic, I, that would be really hard for me. Um, some empaths, and I think this is true of most empaths, but that's just my opinion, can come off as shy or moody or aloof or snobby or cold. I think so. I think so. But yeah. A lot of times it's that has, I used to be brutally shy and just so, it was so, so difficult to talk to people. And I have such, not to make a pun, but I do have so much empathy and compassion for people who are shy or reserved because it's very, very difficult place to be if you're a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Incredibly difficult. Yeah. People have often said to me, gosh, you're so nice and warm. You, I thought you were kind of snobby. And it's only that, that shyness that, you uh-huh. know, that it comes off that way. I had a really funny little aha moment with my 15-year-old a couple of weeks ago. She and her friend have a little crush on this really cute guy in their school. And I'm at the school picking them up, and um, I see them, her and her friend walk out, and they walk right past this, this little kid that they both have a crush on, and they just kept on walking. And they get in my car, and I'm like, girls, was that so-and-so that you guys have a crush on? Yeah. I said, okay, well, you didn't say hi. I know. We can't say hi. We can't talk to him. I'm like, but you didn't even look at him. You didn't wave. You did nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We can't talk to him. <laughs> I said, I said, if you want him to talk to you, 
Like if you're always walking by him in the hallway with your eyes down or you guys are whispering and laughing to each other, he's not going to say, oh, they probably like me and they're just trying to play it cool. No, he's going to say, those girls are kind of snotty because they're always just talking to each other and whispering when they walk past me. And they were like, oh, and then my daughter's friend goes, Mrs. Faye, you've changed my life. They started waving to him and saying hi, and guess who started following them on Instagram and Snapchat? Hello. Hello. (laughs) Oh, that's a fun story. (laughs) Sometimes you have to fight that inner shyness, or you do come off the wrong way. Um, So being an empath can be a double-edged sword, because while it, to me, being an empath is a crucial life skill, I'm sure you've met people who don't have any empathy. Um, God knows they, they tend to cling to me. <laughs> I meet them all the time. <laughs> and I think it can be really difficult to go through life not having that empathy. I, 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 I feel for people who don't have empathy. But at, the same time, but at the same time, having empathy can be difficult too because you feel all the time. I, I think another not only feeling it, but it gives you, um, like you, you just intuitively sense and understand where someone may be mentally or emotionally. It, it, it's like holding up a mirror for what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, um, but it, it's so, it meshes the energy. Like, and I think that, like you said, I can't imagine not being this way. Um, and I always, you know how labs will kind of tip their head and look at you, big dogs. Yeah, so yeah. I always kind of, I think I kind of catch myself doing that at people with no empathy sometimes. Like, huh, you really don't feel it, do you? But. Yeah, I'm shocked when people, even when people don't get subtle clues, like, you know, when you're talking in a group and you can tell one person really wants to leave that group, but the non-empathic person is just talking, talking, talking and doesn't pick up on that clue. Just like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. It just blows my mind. Um, but this is like how weird I am as, as an empath. I was at the um, blueberry farm picking blueberries with my girls uh, last weekend, and I go in to pick this giant blueberry, and my hand knocked three brand-new green blueberries, you know, the little baby ones that haven't bloomed yet. Did you feel terrible? And I felt terrible. I really did. I, I get was, it. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. These things work so hard to grow, and I just knocked them down. And I was like, Samantha, stop being like that. That's so weird. <laughs> and then my youngest, Chloe, reaches down for the three little green baby blueberries I've killed. And she goes, Oh, mommy, that's so sad for them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there is a thing, um, like, people can be plant empaths as well. Like so in tune to things that grow, whether it's trees or plants or gardens, or and that's another whole form of empathy that that a lot of people have. Um, oh wow! I know. That's really interesting. I think we've both talked about, and for me, and I think for you as well, that connection with animals, like our pets, mm-hmm. and how uh, it's so fun when they you get so close to them, but they can read your emotions and you can read their emotions and. Again, another form of empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and animals are so empathic. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's 
it's it's my my little dog Lily. She, she if I'm sick, she'll get sick. Like I, I'm not kidding. I had the flu a couple of months ago, and she threw up twice. And, yeah, so and it's amazing how certain animals come into our lives, or certain pets that we're so bonded with that they mm-hmm. do. They they read our moods. They pick up on, as you say, physical illness or if we're sad or or elated. Um, and they're also a really good barometer for the energy in the house. That's true, and the energy of other people. Yeah. My um my sweet Doberman Gretchen who passed away, I a couple of years ago I was reading. I read books on empathy a lot because I'm fascinated by it and learning how to handle it better and deal with it. And one of the books I read said that some animals are so empathic and so connected with their family that they will take on the illness of an, of a family member. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And Gretchen passed from breast ca- from breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the timeline of that. Like, I was diagnosed in March. I had my mastectomy in June. And she passed in, I believe, August. And it was so fast. I mean, it was like, boom, she had it. We couldn't even operate. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Wow. It was so fast. Yeah. And I, but, and but I feel guilty that, about that. But there you have it. But that was her way of being of service to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I do. I think we have, yeah. I think we have contracts with animals as well as with people. But yeah, that's a, I agree. A story agree. for another day. Yeah. Hey, that's another show we should do together. <laughs> All right. I need to take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, and then when when I come back from doing that, I want to talk about, you know, okay, now that you know you're an empath, what can you do to empower yourself? Perfect. All right, so as you guys know, every week we're sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial slash psychicteachers, all one word, you will get a free one-month trial of Audible. This week I'm recommending The Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People by Dr. Judith Orloff. It's over seven hours of listening information. I really like a lot of Dr. Judith Orloff's work. I've read most of her work, and I've enjoyed all of it. Um, she is a psychiatrist and a psychic, so she she's, um, definitely uses the right and left side of her brain. There's also her book, um, Essential Tools for Empaths, A Survival Guide for Sensitive People, is also on Audible. Um, and if you just put in empaths or empathy, you'll get a ton of other great um, books on, on empaths. I just I try to recommend books I've read, and I've read Dr. Judith Orloff's um, the Empath Survival Guide, and I know it's good. But there's other great books on empaths and being an, an empath on Audible. So check it out by going to audibletrial.com slash psychicteachers. Um, also want to remind you all that um, my Be Your Own Psychic Teleclass starts on Thursday, June 22nd. Um, I've already sent out my first partnership exercise to the group that's already formed, but there's still room if you want to join us. I'm so excited to be doing this again. Um, you can sign up for it by going to my Etsy store. Um, the link is on our Facebook page, uh, Psychic Teachers, all one word. It's a three-week telecourse, and you get to um, hear me talk about a topic each week, and then you get to talk to each other, and you get a meditation sent to you each week, tons of handouts, because you all know I'm the handout queen, um, exercises to work on your own intuition, and then 
the best part I think of this class is exercises to work with with a partner so you get real practical hands-on experience on discovering your intuition um, so that starts June 22nd please check out Denise because she is literally the best psychic I've been to I just love her and adore her and her website is thegratefulmessenger.com um, she's got a wonderful blog on there that I think you guys will enjoy as well um, you're you're booking up really fast aren't you I am yeah for summer um, especially yeah for summer she's booking up um, I'm telling you though guys like I've I love I just love she's my person I go to when I have readings and she just gives such good readings and the way you deliver the information is so kind as well like she'll give you the tough Thank news you. but she'll do it kindly so that's at the grateful messenger um, dot com and as always please tell a friend about us please like us on facebook and if you have time leave us a nice comment on itunes um, a couple of you left some nice comments already in june and we're very very grateful um, to you for doing that okay so let's get back to our topic i want to switch gears to uh, moving from defining what an empath is to talking about how to become an empowered empath do you think um do you want to talk about like techniques for becoming an empowered empath or do you want to start talking about codependence and then I don't know how do you think we should segue Um, I think strategies or or okay I think so strategies and also to protect ourselves oops sorry it was grace um hi grace (laughs) I mean just and and I think that that's such a fine line for so many of us that are empaths is we are we own our stuff, but then everybody else's stuff. So trying to figure out, making some clear boundaries between is this mine to own or am I picking up on somebody else's stuff? I think that that's a huge, huge piece. I do too. I think setting boundaries in general is the number one thing that all empaths need to work on because ultimately we treat people how to treat us. And empaths are always so careful about other people's feelings that they tend to have a hard time expressing their needs and setting their boundaries. Um, and having inconsistent boundaries is the one, the number one way to move from empowered empathy to codependency. So I think setting really firm boundaries is key, but even before you can set firm boundaries, I think you have to work on, um, really loving yourself, trusting yourself, and valuing yourself. And spot on, and accepting yourself just the way you are. And instead of, because I, I think for, for many, myself and for many empaths that I've known or worked with over the years, we, we've either attracted narcissistic people or um, people who have tried very valiantly to plant seeds of doubt you don't know what you're talking about or you're too sensitive and I think when we get to that place where you say you know this is who I am as is where is no warranty given or implied that I think it, it frees us up to truly embrace being an empath and, and mm-hmm. a sensitive person mm-hmm. yeah I agree I agree you know I, I think um, I will be 45 this month God help me. Oh, you're and a I, baby. Oh. <laughs> and I really think that I spent the first 40 years of my life seeking approval and validation. And I'm not but saying I like, oh, I'm free. I don't need it anymore. But I've worked really hard in recent years to not need that. Okay. 
But, and, and I think, because yes, and I, I think it was, I was about your age when I started to really step into my own and say, I don't want to do it this way anymore. This mm-hmm. is who I am and this is who I came here to be. And that's so freeing. But I think, and again, I think we've evolved so many times in this lifetime from, to, it takes a lot to, to get accustomed to being in this, in this carbon-based shell when we're this sensitive. I really believe that. I agree. So are you saying like it kind of comes in stages? Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, I feel that to become an empowered empath, you've got to trust yourself, love yourself, value yourself, set boundaries. Um, you've got to practice daily self-care. You know, you, you've got to make sure that there's time for you on your schedule every single day and that you're doing things that you love, even if they're frivolous. And, and that's where I think that we really do benefit from structure and routine. I have to, I have to physically, mentally, and spiritually journal every morning. It's, mm-hmm. it's my routine. It's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning. I have to clear that out get rid of all the, the cobwebs and dust, and then I can start the day. And I'm, I'm really rigid about that. I don't, there's no wiggle room. I have to write when I first wake up. But I think whatever that, that piece is, some people need to draw or, or walk outside, whatever your piece is, you have to honor that every day. It's so, so, so vital and important. I agree. I, there's a new coloring book out that I just got on Amazon um, I'm going to try to get the author to come on the show. It's a tarot Ooh. book that's um, totally based on the Rider weight deck, which is kind of hard to find. Oh. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing to journal and meditate now is I pick a card every day. L- listen to me. I've done it like three days. Every day. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, just, I pick a card <laughs> and I read about that card and then I color, <laughs> I color, the um the card in on on the book and i think about how that card is indicative of what's going on in my life at that moment so it's been a really good way for me to do you know uh, a meditation without necessarily meditating but it's a, also a, a a multimodality way of truly embracing what the meaning of the card is and giving it your own meaning so using that subconscious part of your brain and the fine fine motor and the muscle mem all that oh that's fabulous yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and sometimes you'll find, I think, when you are a true empath and you embrace it and you trust yourself and you trust that empathy, I think you can be amazed at what can happen. I had this really cool experience. I hadn't meditated in, like, almost a week. Now, I meditate all the time for readings, but I mean meditated for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And exactly, if I, yes. If I do meditate, a lot of times I'll just do like a chakra cleansing meditation on myself. And that's meditating, but not really. I hadn't sat in silence is what I'm trying to say. And so I'm sitting out on the deck and i letting my dogs do their thing and feeding the bird feeders. And I felt this voice. I didn't hear a voice, but I felt the voice say, it's time to sit down, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And so I did, and I had one of the most amazing meditation experiences that I have ever had. It was so um, it was so clear and so visual, and I actually got guidance on something I'm struggling with in my personal life. 
And so I think when you're an empath and you learn to trust yourself and you learn to trust that still small voice within and you surrender to it, you really can be guided and led in important ways for your own path. Because I think empaths sometimes forget about themselves. And I, I also think that, that that ritual and that routine is um, similar to when you mentioned earlier about going into a crowded place or a building that you know might be a little toxic or something that feels overwhelming, to practice, like make it rote and routine, protect yourself, to do some kind of a prayer meditation, to, to picture a buffer zone, and, and then it becomes a natural thing to do every time before you go in and it saves so much grief and strife in your life because it just, it becomes an automatic as brushing your teeth or, or, you know, putting your jacket on. It's, I think it's really, really important. I agree. I agree. And you've got to come up with something that works for you, whether it's a bubble of light, whether it's, um, you know, a knight in shining armor shield or, um, the disco ball, like you, you have to come up with a shielding thing that's good for you, and you have to do it every day, at least once a day. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you do this, Denise, but sometimes I shield other people. I do. Do you? I do. I was talking to a, a dear friend of mine today, and there was a mutual situation we had both known about, and it, you know, she said, I can't believe you're not upset about that, and I said, I've gotten to the point where when I think about this person, I picture this column of light, this healing, this love, angelic presence, and I try to send that to this person because I don't want to hold on to any anger and animosity, but I also think they really need that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it, it's also, you know, weird sort of way protecting both of us by yeah. me refocusing on, on sending them healing. It's sending protection for them, but also protecting me from, from any... I don't know if it's backlash or whatever, but um, I just think it's, it's important. And it, I do it, too. And I, I keep saying it's important, it's vital, but it's just truly when you live so so sensitive and porous to other people's emotions, their feelings, their physical symptoms, you, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it with if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't be of service. You can't... Um, you can't be on on top of your game. No, no. Sometimes if I'm around um, negative or angry people, I will put pink light around them. And if I'm around someone who's really sad, oftentimes I'll put um, blue light around them. I I don't know why blue light always feels comforting. And if I'm around someone who's just kind of feeling under the weather, I'll put green light around them. Um, Oh, that's lovely. Like I just, I do that a lot. Um, if I was talking to a friend who's having writer's block, and so I just imagine orange light around her for creativity. But I just um, I'm I'm working on a on a new teleclass for psychic protection, so I've been reading all these psychic protection books, and I got Cassandra Eason's new uh, book on psychic protection, and it's got lots of good like hands-on strategies and techniques that you can use. And one of the things she has is if you're around someone who's negative or who's sending you like bad negative energy with their words or even just their thoughts or gossiping about you or what have you. She says, imagine them inside a mirrored ball, but the mirrors are facing them so that everything they say is coming right back to them. Isn't that interesting? And I don't know karmically how that works, but I, I, the mirror thing, um, 
sometimes like you know the Apollo with the the, the big things go up and like picture those reflection decks so people yeah. will see it. So I I think, but the, an empath and I think for for a lot of folks who are empathic, the more you embrace that sensitivity and that part of yourself, the more your psychic receptivity increases as well. So. When you were saying of finding your, uh, we're jumping around, but when you were saying finding your own ritual, your routine, what works for you, that also jumps over to that next piece of when you, you have your own toolbox of symbols or signs or, or physical reactions to, to um, when, when things start coming in psychically as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it did. It okay. did. That's a good point. <laughs> Which is why I think it's really important to practice cleansing your energy often, like doing the the chakra cleanse like I was talking about before, um, saging yourself, your home, your car um, at least once a week, um, doing an aura brush, you know, where you just kind of physically brush out things from your, from your aura, um, taking a white light shower, you know, where you every morning when you get in the shower, just imagine that water becoming white light. Um, you can also take a white light shower in the morning and use a salt scrub and imagine that salt just scrubbing your aura clean. You can take a salt bath. Um, I do that at least once a week. And I I pour in a lot of salt. I don't know how good it is for you, but I pour in like a cup of Epsom salts. I do a, one cup of Epsom salts, one half cup of sea salt, a half cup of baking soda, and a half cup of vinegar. Cool. Yeah. But my massage therapist gave me that recipe. I I didn't know about the vinegar, but it it works. I like it a lot. They um, have some salts a lot. I think they work. I mean, I really do. I think they they pull stuff out of you. Yeah, that that's a, the other piece with um, like all of that protection stuff is also the piece of physical contact with people. You know how some people will mm-hmm. just hug you and you'll go feel like, oh, and, and I'm a physical person. I like to hug people that I care about, blah, blah, blah. But I think sometimes we can get corded energetically. And to, and my, my default position is I ask Archangel Michael to please cut these cords, um, whatever that, whatever your go-to thing is to cut those energetic cords. And I think as, as empathic people, we need to be really aware of if you start feeling really drained or fatigued or tired, um, someone may have corded onto your energy. Okay, I live in the South. That happens all the time. Let me tell you, people will come up to you and they'll say, and they'll touch your arm or your elbow or they'll hug you and you don't even know them and they'll go, well, Denise, look at you, bless your heart. Are you able to volunteer Saturday after church for six hours? You know, so a lot of times people will use that touching as a way to kind of um, create a false bond and uh, I like what you're saying a false cord because it's they I think that's very very true and and as we because we, the whole point is as you get more I think it, it never ends I think you become more and more empathic mm-hmm. um, I don't think you, you you peek out and say okay this is as sensitive as I'm going to be um, so as we evolve or become more empathic and more sensitive and more aware I think anything we can be cognizant of to take care of ourselves um, helps. It helps immensely mm-hmm. because we don't want to end up being debilitated or feeling drained and um, because so many people want a piece of it. Mm-hmm. 
so many people, and it's never enough for so many people too. And that's why you have to be your own guard dog and, and guard your own space and your own energy and your own time. And I think um, so many of us were raised to be nice always, no matter what. Put a smile on your face, no matter what. Right. Be kind, no matter what. And I right. think about that message that people are given a lot, you know, where they're told to be nice um, to their to your elders, to your authority figures, to your teachers, no matter what. And I think, okay, I get why people are taught that, but at the same time, I feel that we're also taught that your feelings don't matter. Right. So we right. have to remind ourselves that our feelings do matter. And if someone isn't being nice to you, you don't have to necessarily turn the other cheek. You can stand up for yourself. And as and you see, when I listened to your show last week, you were talking with the girls, mm-hmm. your, your girls, and and also different things we've talked about. I think that the the children that are coming in now are off the chart sensitive, and to yeah. give them that skill of if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't resonate with you. Not to be disrespectful, not in any way, right. but also make sure that if it doesn't feel right, that's okay, so that they don't. I I, I think that um, when you uh, when you were talking with the girls, that came across very clearly that mm-hmm. you're get, you are empowering them as empaths. Yeah, I'm trying to. I really am trying to because it's a tricky line to walk. You want to be kind. You want to teach your kids to be kind. But I also feel that a lot of abuse happens, um, you know, whether it's emotional or um, just that manipulation, you know, because we always teach our kids, oh, just be nice. But I think that that goes into the codependent piece because true codependents are some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. They're kind. Mm -hmm. They want to do anything for anybody. They, you know, it's rescue the underdog on steroids um, but just that there's usually some puppet strings involved if it's codependence rather than empathy yeah. it's it's trying to um, it, it's just it's a totally different what, what is your take on that yeah, I agree. We're um we only have like ten minutes left, so let's let's talk about codependence quickly if we can, because it's such an mm-hmm. important aspect. It's kind of like the shadow side of being an empath. Um, codependency is um a lot of therapists are now calling it the self love deficit disorder. Have you heard mm-hmm. that? Yes. Oh, I had not heard that. I think that's such a neat little term, self love deficit disorder. Um and from the research I was doing on codependence, um, a lot of a lot of the researchers are saying that codependents prefer to see themselves as victims rather than willing participants in a dysfunctional relationship. The only way to recover or avoid this is to freely admit and accept that you are freely participating in a dysfunctional relationship. And I read this interesting definition on selfgrowth.com. Pendant is someone who is so accustomed to rationalizing the actions of someone else, they begin to have unhealthy relationships. Some only seek friends with problems bigger than their own. In this way, codependents can focus solely on fixing others without ever having to truly look at themselves. 
I, I agree with that. I truly yeah. do. Um, I, I have been in codependent relationships. I actually used to have a very nice crown that I had, my codependent crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I put that on the shelf years ago. I and, borrowed it but, from you. I'll, I'll give it <laughs> <laughs> you wear it at a little rakish angle. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that a lot of us have, and we've talked about this before, you know, you're brought up in either a family of origin that your your sensitivities are on, on high alert. And I think that that transfers into codependence way too smoothly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, it, it's um, it's crazy making. It's when you, you start churning or, or doubting yourself or not. Um, it, it's when people say, oh, empathy and, you know, I'm, are you an empath or you're codependent? For me, haven't been, well, I am both because, you know, I've done actually done 12-step work on codependence. And that really pissed me off because I thought, I'm not the one with the addiction issues. Why do I have to do the work? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's, but it is your work because you're as sick as the other person. I'm not saying people with dependency issues are sick. That's not, but it's a, you have to do your own work and see your part in it or you can never break free from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're as much a part of it as the addict or, or the narcissist or whatever the codependent relationship is. Exactly. And I think the only way to heal that is to recognize that you do have a part. It's, you're not a passive victim. Um, I listened to a really good podcast called uh, WTF with Dr. Judy. It's what the Freud, not what the, you know, what, um, yeah, <laughs> she she does a lot of episodes on like narcissist and codependence, and her catchphrase is, "You aren't responsible for the first half of your life, but you are responsible for the second half of your life." Oh, I love that, and I I love that too. And she talks about how childhood is is a hostage situation. You know, where if you're if you're born into a dysfunctional family, you are in a hostage situation, and you will be made either you know, the um, person acting out, whether it's through an addiction or through narcissism, or you will be made the codependent, like if you're in that dysfunctional family. And and that kind of is what it is. But but once you get out of that, the second half of your life, it's your job to heal that. And the only way to heal that is by facing it, acknowledging it, you know, grieving it, and then, um, you know, accepting it within yourself and then letting it go. Um, And I... And I also think it's that second half of, of the game or second half of life is breaking that that cycle and that pattern in, in your family. So mm-hmm. um, neither of my sons have codependent issues at all. They're, they're oh, great. And I, I, my own, and I've said this to a lot of people, and I'm not bashing any lineage or anything else, but I think that was huge work for me coming onto the planet was breaking that cycle of men. And they they own their stuff, and they're not easily swayed by someone else's um, issues or or not that they don't have empathy, but they're not pulled in in a negative place. Because I think that fine line between empath and codependence, do they both feel things incredibly deeply? Yes. Um, Do they look for happiness outside of themselves? That would be more of a codependent rather than an empath. Mm Because I think it's empath. We internalize and we, we can be by ourselves. We can find our own joy. Um, and it, it just, it, it's such a fine line between the two. 
It really is. And, you know, I, I think raising kids is hard enough, but I think raising strong, empowered and empathic men who aren't codependents and who aren't kind of um, the opposite of codependent, I think that's such a gift you've given the world, not just to your son. Oh, thank you. Really, because I it, do. It, it's, and I, I have always said, I think, in, and this isn't a gender biased issue, I think we need more good men because mm-hmm. things are evolving and things are changing and we need men who can be strong and can be, um, and that's, but they can also have be okay with being empathic. And, and I was very, very blessed that my father was a psychic medium. I mean, and mm-hmm. so I got to see that side. And he was a very manly, you know, he was a man-man. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, that that piece, and I see that in my sons as well, they, they you know, my older son, he hunts, he fishes, he does all these things, but he also has this level of empathy and compassion that is absolutely amazing. So I think for this, this new arc, anyone under, I think from 30 under, is truly, it's a different paradigm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I won't listen to, to friends, especially older friends, who talk badly about the new generation. I, I think the young people today are amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm very hopeful. Um, we've paved the way for this. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The the big thing, the big difference, in my opinion, with an empath and a codependent, besides what we've just been talking about, is that an empath will offer advice or help if they are asked, but a codependent will rush in to fix or help, whether they're asked or not. I agree. And, you know, I read that and I thought, oh, my gosh, I think I was a codependent early on when I was doing readings. And I wonder if that's why I would like to give random people readings, <laughs> you know, because I thought they needed that help or that information. And if you think about it, there's kind of an arrogance in that, like, I can help you. Right. And an amazing, amazing classic book on codependence is uh, Melody Beatty, Codependent No More. Yes. Fabulous, fabulous book. Agreed. Um, and it, there's also some some good definitions. And so one thing that I had loved about this hour, because I know we're almost out of time, is just when you were reading the checklist of, you know, you might be an empath, and it's very nurturing. And, and I, I was sitting here smiling thinking, it's so nice to hear someone describe what you feel and, and how you live your life. It, it makes yeah. it... It, that's such a treat. Yes, I agree. And and to know that there is a, a reason why you feel that way, that it's not just that you're so sensitive or you, I've been told so many times you're so sensitive or you think mm-hmm. too much or you're too deep. And you it's so nice. Skin. Yeah. 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 And it's just nice to know that, no, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you're an empath and you feel and that, you know, if you give too much into the feelings, you might fall into the codependent trap. And just you need to be aware of that. And you don't need to suppress or repress your feelings. You don't need to deny your empathy. You need to empower your empathy. And the key to doing that, and I feel our opinion, is through setting firm boundaries and trusting and loving yourself and putting yourself first and not thinking that that makes you selfish or bad. And And I truly, truly believe that that's, that's the preventative to it becoming codependent 
or becoming so draining that you can't function or become depleted is taking care of yourself. Yes. And that's yes. such a steep learning curve for so many of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and think about with every action that you take this week, ask yourself what is the motivation for that action because codependents are often motivated by guilt or fear. Whereas empowered empaths are usually motivated by what feels good for their spiritual soul. Well, that's so a perfect definition. Awareness about what is motivating you to do everything that you're doing, whether it's exercising or sleeping in or meeting a friend or canceling on a friend because you just feel like staying in that day. Um, you know, just have an awareness of the motivation that you're taking those actions with. And I think that will start to empower you as well. Don't you agree? I agree 100%. Very well put. That's why I love talking to you, Denise. You're always like, I agree with you, Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) I think we see it through the same lens, so it's kind of (laughs) easy. We do. Thank you so much for joining me on the show this week and talking about this really important topic. I just love talking to you, and I thank you for listening and um, joining me, and I thank all of you for listening. And as you go through your week, I'd like to ask you all to remember to be the light. Good night, everyone. Thanks, Denise. Thank you. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Staples knows that when the leave-behinds for your sales call get left behind at your office, it's time. When you need to print 30 pages and you're 300 miles from the office, it's time. And when the intern packed the Harrington file, not the Farrington file. Oh, my bad. It's definitely time. And it's times like these when you can count on Staples. Access your files from email, the cloud, or USB, and then print, copy, fax, or scan them. And get back to business fast. Visit your nearby Staples. It's pro time. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you.